It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com. Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. We were really not going to do a podcast this Sunday. We were going to kind of wait until next Sunday to wrap things up, but so much stuff has taken place over the last few days. And we will indeed get to the serious stuff with John Brandon here at the end, and it's not going to be much of an end. We just want to touch on a few things at the top to get them out of the way. Interesting things that we thought, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, let's start with the uh, the game on Saturday between Gonzaga and, and UCLA. I've, I've heard people today call it the, the, the greatest college game ever, and there's always recency bias. I still go back to Duke and, and Kentucky, um, but it was still a hell of a game and a hell of a finish. <laughs> Where, where do you guys put that game in the pantheon of games that you've honestly seen? Can you put it behind the, the Carolina Villanova game? I yeah, definitely I know, have right. it behind I, that. I, I think it's, I mean, I think it's right there with it, but similar circumstances, both amazing games. One was to get to the championship. One was to win the championship. Like the, the one to win the championship has to take sure the cake, I would think, but man, that was the way that both of those teams played offensively, like that was just an amazing game to watch. Yeah. And that's the part of it. I, I think that's where I go back to the Kentucky game as well. That Kentucky Duke game, just the efficiency on offense from both teams. And, and, and when you always hear that people then can argue, well, it wasn't very good defense being played. Oh yeah, there was. And yeah, there was yeah. last night. I mean, yes, there was last night. There were just dudes making plays left and right. Well, and that was the crazy thing on the UCLA side is we had seen Gonzaga do what they did last night to a lot of different teams. The efficiency on offense, the cutting, the passing, you know, guys making good, clean looks. They've done that. UCLA was making tough mid-range jumper after tough mid-range jumper, one-on-one isolation stuff didn't matter. They just kept hitting every tough shot. And then they made all the wide open ones they needed to as well. But it was, yeah, the, the shooting displays from both teams were just ridiculous. Which the analytics tell us, right? And I'm a, I'm a big mid-range game because I mid-range game guy because I grew up in that era. But the analytics tell us that's really still not a good shot, right? But if you're making them that percentage, I guess it is a good shot. I was watching it with the basketball coach and the whole first half, that was what was being commented on. I was like, it's crazy. They keep, keep taking so many mid-range jumpers, but they keep going in. So why, I mean, why stop? Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, for those who don't know, and, I, and Rick, you actually flashed me your ticket, so I'm not going to give the exact number that you have a chance to win. It's not life-changing money, but it's... It's, it's, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card after the last two weekends for me. I say it's a, it's a good amount of money, but you made a future bet, and you talked about it on our weekly podcast on Jalen Suggs' most outstanding player, and he still has a game to go, and a lot can happen in that one game, and Baylor can win it for all we know, and that would change probably the outcome of most outstanding player. Um but, but arguably, I mean, the two biggest plays of last night were, were I, I'll go with the three biggest plays because two came in one play where Jalen Suggs blocks a dunk. Somehow, I, I still don't know how he got that ball saved to himself in bounds, but he did. Then throws a one pass. Bounce, yeah, one hand bounce pass, pass was ridiculous. So that's the second of the three plays. That pass. Here's the thing, I, I, Chad. The thing to me about that pass, and I think I called you on that, Rick, was you make that pass at four to two or yeah. one to 24. You don't make that pass at that point in the game, right? Well, Mark few even said he didn't necessarily think it was going to be one of his better decisions, but somehow he fit that ball through. I mean, you want to talk about tight windows no pass doubt. that far 
to where he needed to fit it in was incredible. On a bounce to hit the guy directly in the hands for a dunk. Perfectly. After, after going up and blocking a 6'8 forward at the rim, saving the ball, the wherewithal to, to, to then immediately get your head up the floor. Right. And find Kispert. Uh, un, unbelievable. Like, that kid, he's a killer. Like, we talked about this. He... He might not be the best player, but he's the most important player on the floor no, every right, game right. he plays. Yeah, great, yeah, great point. Well, and I, I, I do think he is the best. I mean, I think he's a top three pick in the NBA draft coming up. I do I too, but I'm just saying, like, it, he's not he going to score the most points necessarily. Right, he's not going yeah, to wow. Tim, Timmy and Kispert are the guys, but yeah, but right. yeah, you're right. But he makes plays. He makes everything happen for them, and and, and watching him play is just so much fun because you have to like really like dig into like watch him and get all of the different things that he does for that team. You know, what's so awesome is that he went to Gonzaga with all these weapons and a beautiful offense to play. And instead of going to Duke or UK this year, right? Yeah. Right. You know this how much of a disaster it would have been to waste his talents with guys that can't yes. play around. Him? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and you know what? Maybe he should have come and played free safety at Alabama for all I know. I mean, no, he's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's uh, a five-star quarterback. Right. Right. He wasn't going to supplant Mac Jones. I'm just saying this year, maybe, but yeah, maybe, maybe down the road, that's what he would have been was a quarterback. But yes, uh, you're telling me you wouldn't have bet on that kid over Mac Jones. Yeah, I'd have bet on him. Mm, Mac Jones <laughs> I'd have bet on him. Good. Mac Jones is pretty I, damn good, but yes, I, I'd have bet on him. <laughs> um, back to, th- hold on, back sh- to the most outstanding player yes. thing. Timmy did have 25 points in this game. So do yeah, you th- I mean, like, that's the concern there is that Timmy goes for another 25. And I shot. I, so. Yeah, but yeah, that, and that's the thing. Again, it, it's not even just hitting the shot, in my opinion, Chad, and, and he did. That's the point of it is, is the shot's the most thing, the thing you most remember from the game. So the guy, that, that's the other play I'm talking about, obviously, is him banking in the three. He hits the shot, but it's, it's the play I'm talking about, you know, that, 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 that block dunk to the bounce, to the other things he does. I think he has to be, if you're – it, without either one of those plays, honestly, without blocking the dunk, without the one hand, I mean, that's a four point swing there. And then banking in the three, that's seven points off of just yeah. craziness. That's the difference in the game by far. So I think if you're, if you're a voter, that has to be in the forefront of your mind. If you're voting for most outstanding, and that has to be in the forefront of your mind. Now it doesn't mean Timmy or Kisper don't go off for 40 tomorrow night. And, and or if, whenever you listen to this podcast, whatever Monday happens night, tomorrow night is 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 what decides. Yes, but he puts himself at least ahead of, or at least where you would think it's Timmy ahead of everybody. He puts him now probably going into tomorrow night ahead of Timmy, just on what you've seen and what you've known. Timmy could certainly outplay him tomorrow night, but I still think for you, Rick, what he did last night certainly gives you a a pretty good leg up, man. Well, the big thing is Kispert, it, like originally it was Kispert and Timmy were right. tied for the best odds and Kispert didn't have a big game. He shot poorly. So he's pretty much out of it, you would think, unless he but, just but, 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 but yeah, but if he goes for 30, yeah, if he goes for 36 in the title game, which he's yeah. capable of, then it changes everything. But yeah, right, right, it would. Right. But right now, and I actually, I'm just pulling up DraftKings as we're talking about this in the DraftKings Sportsbook, Suggs and Timmy are both tied at plus 100 odds. So you basically, you know, double your money there with that bet uh, for either one of those two. So right now, the sports book have them dead heat going into the finals. Yeah, interesting. Davion Mitchell is second I, at two fifty. You, you know what? Uh, you know what stinks though? The best player in this tournament was Johnny Juzang. No question. I mean, I ha- he's I not. He, he can't win. He can't win it because they right. didn't make the finals. Right. But the best player, like 
took he like Danny Manning UCLA to, to the Final Four and into one of the greatest games in college basketball history. In in a lot of this tournament, by I mean, I was at that Michigan game. They couldn't do the only person that could do anything in that game besides him was Tiger Campbell. And he he scored over half of their points. Half their points. 28 in the Elite their, Eight. They had 20 of their 53 or whatever tw- it was. 51. 51 even more. Yeah. Like 28 of their 51. And it would have been, and, 20, if it, and for a 90% foul shooter, it would have been 29 if he makes the free throw that, that makes right. the last possession, you know, not moot, but certainly less dramatic. Yeah. I mean, uh, that guy watching what he has done in this tournament was as good as you will ever see in the NCAA tournament. Good. He flat out just put that team on his back and said, let's go. Yeah, Steph Curry was close, but Steph obviously didn't get to a Final Four, right? I mean, yeah. he gets Davidson to an Elite Eight, but then all of a sudden you go, hey, this guy's pretty good. He's too small to play in the NBA. And, and we all knew that, right? We all knew Steph Curry was too small to play in the NBA. What 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 do Kentucky fans feel about watching Johnny Juzang be the best player in the NCAA tournament? I, I, I asked that of you, Rick, so that's, I'm going to ask that of you then, Chad. That, that's got to be tough, right? I mean, that's got to be really tough. For a guy that I, I think, looking back, Cal did not use properly at all. Like you, you put the ball in that kid's hands and he's, he's a bucket getter. Like you put the ball in his hand and let him get buckets. And Kentucky did not do that really at all last year. And to see the way that he has blossomed at UCLA, you gotta be, you you gotta at least raise a little bit of an eyebrow at Cal on that one and say, what were we doing? Not featuring Johnny Juzak. He he could not possibly have made that kind of jump in one year. It, no, it, it, it almost well, yeah, felt ahead, like Rick. Cal looked at him was like, he can't beat you off the dribble and break you down. So he's just right. a spot up shooter now and credit to Mick because he's not breaking guys down off the dribble at time. I mean, don't get me nope. wrong. He's making plays, but like, it's not like they're saying, Hey, go one-on-one and cross guys up or, or do some dribble drive and, and beat your man off the dribble. Mick has, and, we talked about this Wednesday skinny and Chad, yeah, you know this yeah. better than anybody. Mick's strength on the offensive end has always been he playing just, to a star. Yeah. Feeds his best player over and over. And to his credit, he schemes up a lot of good sets to get his best players in their spots. And he did a fantastic job of that with juicing. And he deserves credit for the way he handled juicing and the way he used him and the, the way he got him to his spots. And then it also shows you what you need to make like players win. Players win the games. Players yep. are the way you get to this point. If you don't have a, you know, five-star loaded roster, that's how you get to this point as an 11 seed is you ride a guy like Johnny Juicing and credit to both parties. I mean, Juicing did the heavy lifting, but Mick did a great job of utilizing him and, and putting him in the right positions over and over again. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. And it's such a weird thing because Mick at the end of the season lost four straight games was on the verge of losing a fifth straight in the play-in game to Michigan State. And had that happened, what would the story have been about Mick Crow? You know, I mean, it would have been like second year. He, he had some had a tough season, pandemic, the guys they lost, whatever. I mean, there would have been some built-in hang on, reasons hang there. On the, the, the narrative would have been he practices guys too hard, maybe <laughs> 80s trying to get rid of him. Um, well, no, but it, it bunch is, of guys in the transfer portal. Right, it's it just funny, exactly. right? Like you no, right. fans probably aren't looking at Mick Cronin if they lose their last five games of this year and thinking great things about where they're headed. And now they feel like they got their guy, and this is an all-time great coach that's going to lead them back to the promised land and being an, an elite blue blood. It's it's so fascinating how much stock we put on the tournament and how close no you can be. You know, either way. 
The thing is, I don't know. If it's uh, you, you say us and not not us, the three of us. I think it's it's more the fan base in general of that particular team. Yeah, their expectations are absurd. Oh, I, I'm not just talking UCLA. I'm just talking about whatever All particular fans. team you yeah. root for. Yes, but right. I think yeah. nationally too. I mean, I think that the story around Mick has been good coach who can't get it done in the tournament, and he was yeah, this yeah, close yeah, to yes. be to, yeah. to failing at you know, at the most important time of the year, again, losing five straight to end a season. And instead, Johnny Juicing catches fire and they go all the way to the final four. And credit to Mick, like he did a fantastic job coaching that team. That's not to take away from what they just did. It, it's just fascinating to me because yes. he never should have been probably talked about as poorly as he was as a coach. And he, this probably shouldn't change our opinion as much as it will in terms of the narrative. Yeah, I mean, but I think there is a ton. Like, I, the Deshaun Nix thing, I know Mick has made a big deal out of that. Like, I don't overly think, like, you had him sign, but he never showed up on campus. So I don't know how much you get to count him in, like, players that UCLA lost. Right. Um, but Chris Smith was right there with Juzang as their best player. And Jalen Hill was probably their third or fourth best player and you lose those two guys and have to reinvent yourself and ask Tiger Campbell to be more of a scorer, which he's not a natural. No, like, no, you know, dude, dude, in the old days, if you had, if you had no shot clock, he's a 5.3 point per game guy. He really, truly is. Yeah. He put up 17 and seven last night. Right. I never you talk about making that guy tough played like that in that game. You, you talk about making tough mid-range jumpers. Yep. <laughs> he, he made a bunch of them and he's become a lot. You know what he is? He's he's really good, Justin Jennifer. I'm okay with that. I'm like okay with it. what Justin Jennifer became, we're already seeing Tiger Campbell. He's he's undersized. He doesn't have great elite speed. His shot was broken when he got to UCLA. Like a lot of the parallels between him and Justin Jennifer are very similar. Tiger Campbell's just ultimately like more gifted. Um naturally and, but, and I, yeah, I don't and I, know and what to I, say about that one yeah no I, but I, and i do wonder this i wonder if when mick got Junior, johnny juzang he goes man thank goodness i think i got a 12 and 5 guy right i mean that's kind of what you felt if you're getting a transfer who's not doing a whole lot no, uh, man, I, I think they had i think they had a higher opinion of juicing coming back. That, i think yeah. they knew how important i think they thought be. they had like a 17 18 point okay. Problem. okay at least as okay. a score i don't know if they knew he would you know blossom into the best player in the NCAA right. tournament obviously but right, I think right, they right. knew they had a guy that could really put it in the best. Right. All right. Uh, to wrap up the NCAA tournament portion of this, because um, we are going to drop this by the time the championship game goes. Um, who you got and why, fellas? Gonzaga still, because uh, yeah, they're Gonzaga. still the best team. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the, and, and honestly, this is actually, in some ways, with the way UCLA played, especially in that game and the last few rounds, this might be a better matchup for them just because Baylor – I think is really going to struggle with the way Gonzaga plays inside and around the rim. One thing I will tell you is I have slept on Gonzaga the whole tournament. I didn't think they'd make the final four. I wasn't Gonzaga high on them. Baylor. I didn't. I'm sorry, Baylor rather. I wasn't big on them. I didn't like, you know that Rick, I didn't like them. And each round they go by, um, I just, they beat the brakes off Houston. They beat the blanks off Houston. Yeah. That's a good point. Now we can also argue cause I was the one that, I got my future bet on Houston. I feel good about it. You guys didn't like Houston. It's no knock. And I think yesterday proved that they're not in that class. And the class was literally, the class was literally two teams. I mean, it literally was two teams the whole year. And it proved that way out. But, um, well, Houston had a ridiculously fortunate path 
to the final. Yes. Four. Yes. No. Yeah. No. No doubt. No, and no, Michigan, no. I, I think Michigan was was right there with Baylor until Livers, Livers. got hurt. Yes. Yeah. And, and honestly, the, I loved Illinois. I mean, that it. Dude, I was one big. game happened, but like I still think they were a top five team without the doubt no. this year. I mean, I, I think I told you, Rick, I said the two, the two positives I had when I filled out brackets were Gonzaga to the final four, Illinois to the final four. I didn't even waver on every bracket I did to change any of that. So I get it. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I did not see an opening line, Rick. I thought it was five and a half or six. Does that sound right? Uh, I've got it right here. It is four and a half as we sit here Ooh. at 830 on Sunday night. Oh, man, I, I, I can't scrape together enough money to probably put money down on Gonzaga. I really can't. Yeah, I think what you hope is, is there any chance the first four points and then you get Gonzaga at like two. Yeah, correct. Good call. Oh, yeah, good call. Is there good any chance UCLA exposed something last night that Baylor can take advantage of or that was just yeah. if Baylor can UCLA. hit every single mid range shot they <laughs> yes, shoot the entire yes, game, yes. then well, that's definitely look, exposed. It, that will work. Mm-hmm. That that really was what was crazy to me, guys, just to, to, to touch back for a sure. second on that. Sure. We talked about UCLA had to slow that down. It, like they had, they had to do everything they could to slow that game down, and they did. And Baylor had forty-five, or Gonzaga had forty-five points at halftime. Yep. They were on pace for ninety. Yep. And it it felt like UCLA was getting things exactly how they wanted them. Rick, do you like when's uh, the last I, time you remember a game at halftime? Both teams were over one point three points per possession. Right. Well, and like you said, I saw someone tweet this, which I thought was hilarious. And I apologize that I can't credit whoever authored it because it was a great tweet. Someone said, Troy Copain would be proud of the way Tiger Campbell is walking the ball up the floor right now. (laughs) They were trying to walk it up and slow it down and do everything they could. But here's the thing. When both teams is making every shot, you still score eighty right. something points, right. like in right. forty minutes. That's how that goes. And I mean, it, I I don't know that I've ever seen a game like that where it felt like everything went wrong for Gonzaga. It was a disaster scenario in the first half. They couldn't get a stop on defense, and somehow they had a one point lead. Like how ridiculously yeah. good is Gonzaga if that was the case? <laughs> right. No question. Yeah, no question. And that's where that four and a half just sounds so small. Is and, it and, was UCLA six point lead in the first half? Was that the biggest lead of the game uh, for either team? Yes, yeah. I believe correct. Yes, that's yeah, crazy. I mean, what a it game. is, it is, especially when you look up and you see a 93 90 final, right? There yeah. seems like that's a game of 10 0 runs, 12 0 runs, right? 14, no, 19 it was, a, it was lead changes. Come right. on, right? It was a 93 90 rock fight. Yeah. Yes. No, that's a perfect. That's a perfect. No, that's perfect. Perfectly called. Exactly Except all was. the rocks kept going through the hole. I mean, right. Right. I've never seen a more beautiful offensive game either. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. All right. So can we all, just run that back tomorrow? Are we all going Gonzaga minus the four and a half? Or are we just going Gonzaga in general? Uh, I'll, I think I'm gonna, I'd, I'd go. I'd go four and a half. I think. I'm going four and a half, but I'm I'm not ruling out, especially after what we just saw from no, UCLA that Baylor could give them a game now. No, of course not. But I also think it's all right. This team is so good. They got their scare. Everybody gets their scare. They, they had one game in the regular season. I think St. Mary's played them within 10, right? I think it was six or five. And then they came back and I think beat, beat, beat the brains off BYU. I just think they're so good. They are so good. It's, it makes me, it makes me crazy. They're, they're really good. Every UCLA game and every Baylor game, I have been a hundred percent wrong on. Well, so the fact that Baylor is in this, makes it a little scary for me, but I still will say that I think UCLA played the game that someone needed to play to beat this Gonzaga team. And it's still, and, and, 
and they won. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just that, that was the chance to knock them off. Someone played the perfect game, made all the shots you had to make. They had the star performer go off and, and score 29 still couldn't do it. I mean, it's yeah. got the off night from Kispert. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen twice. Yeah. I think Gonzaga yeah. rolls. All right, let's go to Xavier. Uh, Paul Scruggs decides to come back. Um, I, I know this has been in the works. It sounds like for two weeks worth and it, it hasn't happened. And it finally did. What does this mean, Rick? I mean, this is a guy who's, who's got some pretty good numbers already. He gets another year. Uh, and, and, you know, when you look at the losses, none of them are huge. In my opinion, Jason Carter's going to Ohio. CJ Wilcher's going to Nebraska. Um, Kiki Tandy's not made a decision yet. It's announcing on Thursday. He said uh, Gr- Griffin has, you know, I, I like Griffin, but you know, he's, he's a 5.6 rebound guy. So it's not like it's a huge loss. I, I think there were, if you gave me the losses versus Scruggs coming back, would you have taken that or would you take well, the vice versa? Nate Johnson and Paul Scruggs. I mean, you yes, get correct. both of those yes. guys back. Yes, yeah. It's a great yes. off season for yes. Xavier. Yeah. I mean, this is right. the, the guy you lost was CJ Wilcher. And now, now everyone can look and say Kiki Tandy is a big loss because going into the season, you're expecting him to be a big yeah. part of your future. I don't, I don't. But by the end of the season, I think it was clear that that relationship wasn't working out between Xavier and Kiki. Now, again, I think Kiki has talked to Xavier about coming back and maybe not leaving a transfer portal. Maybe it wasn't quite what he thought. And I think, uh, they maybe agreed that it was best for everybody that he just finds another place. Mercy. So that so that being said, I mean, yeah, you lost one guy in CJ Wiltshire that you were trying to keep. They told Jason Carter and Brian Griffin, you're welcome to come back, but we've got to do better. I mean, you're, you're going to come Jason back to a Carter great goes Ohio. And Jason yeah. Carter goes Ohio. Yeah, so I think it was a really good offseason so far for Xavier. Now, they want to upgrade at the four. They've got Ben Stanley coming off an ACL injury. Who knows where he'll be at and when he'll be able to help you. And you obviously lost Jason Carter. So you have two young guys coming in as freshmen that could play the four potentially. And then you have Colby Jones, who you slid down there and he played some four for you. But with CJ Wilcher leaving, that was another guy that you might've played at that spot. So I think that's the big key now is can they lock down and upgrade at that forward spot and really give themselves a chance. But what the Paul Scruggs and the Nate Johnson thing ensures is that in what is a must win season for Travis Steele, he has about as much experience not yes. only age-wise, but also within his own system, as you can possibly ask for for a head coach in 2021. I mean, you got Odom back, you got you got Kunkel back, you got Scruggs back. You have a 24-year-old fifth-year senior that played all four Correct. years already. Correct. That's I mean, literally no, never happened. Right or wrong, no offense, that's pretty good. That's a, that's a pretty good base to draw from. Yeah. from and I'm not saying say. it's perfect. I mean, I, I think no, there's still not. concerns about shooting. You need some Could guys be, to really well, bounce be, back. Well, because the guys that are coming back still have not gotten you to an NCAA tournament, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the team hasn't changed a whole lot. You're relying on guys like Zach Freeman to make a big jump. You're relying on guys like Kobe Jones to make a big jump. And I think that's Odom. possible. Odom's another one that they're really relying on. And it's going to be a crucial offseason for that freshman class. But it it also, I think, the fact that you had that experience back, it, it makes you feel a whole lot better if you're Travis Steele of, we're not rebuilding anything this year. It's everything's back in place for the most part. You maybe add a piece or two if you can, but you've got your team and you know what to expect out of them. Now it's kind of up to you. Uh, Deontay Miles has not put himself in the portal. Do you expect that A and B? Where does he fit now? Because it was a a weird year for him. Yeah, I think um, he had an injury to his hip midway through the biggie season, maybe a little later than that. And I think that threw him off track a little bit. They were hoping to start working him into some games more. He was practicing really well leading up to that, but they're really high on him still. I mean, they think he has a lot of potential. They think he can play with Fremantle, 
they can play them together because of miles mobility and, and defensive ability. So that's, that's the plan. And with Brian Griffin leaving, I think it made it easier for Deontay to, to feel right. like, okay, well, I am kind of the backup right now, or at least I just have to beat out a freshman and Cesar Edwards to be the backup. So he's going to get his chance this year. I think now I, I don't know what to tell you in terms of what his role will be because right, we just right. haven't seen anything from him right. yet at this level. Right. Um, all right, let me move on to, um, hold on, hold on. Yep. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jen. You, I didn't know you had to take you. You were quiet. So go ahead. I, I don't necessarily have a take. I, I'm curious okay. about the coaching situation, Rick. With Jonas Hayes right now, he was, uh, uh, he was one of the top candidates for Tennessee and it looks like that's not going to happen. So that's good news for Xavier. They're only probably going to have to replace one assistant as it stands. right. Does now. that, does that factor in another spot coming open to Tennessee? Well, I mean, I think he's still going to be a candidate. They're still going to try to lure him away. Okay. As from what I've heard right now, it doesn't seem like he is too interested in leaving. So okay. again, that could all change by tomorrow or Tuesday, you know, yeah. when they say, Hey, here's a hundred thousand dollars more. Well, maybe you'll change your mind. You know, I don't <laughs> right. Tennessee's capable of doing those types of things when compared to Xavier. So it's possible <laughs> he could still leave or he could be in play for some of these other head coaching jobs that are opening as we're seeing some shuffling going on. So that's not a guarantee, but right now it seems like they just got to hire one spot. And in that case, I think Luke Murray from Louisville is definitely a candidate to come back. Um, and I've put three other names up on my message board that you can look at there that I think are, are candidates. But Luke Murray is the one that's ev- everyone's pretty familiar with right right around here. All right, let's, uh, you, you, all three of us grew up in Northern Kentucky, um, so we know the ninth region well. And um, we lived we lived most of our lives, Skinny, with no state titles in northern kentucky well, none trust, zero trust, trust me i graduated high school in 1981 1981 was the first ninth region state title by simon kenton and i played against those guys in high school so that's how old i am a and that um, was the only one right yes correct until, until 2009 holmes. and holmes and we've had holmes two covcasts and now a highlands and i'm going to tell you and i'm i'm not going to lie but if it wasn't highlands it would have been covcath it might have been Beechwood because you know who the last team to beat Highlands this year was? Was Beechwood. It might have been Holy Cross. It might have been Dixie High. The, this year in the ninth region was wasn't St. Henry top seen. five. St. I'm sorry, and St. Henry too. Correct, because St. Henry beat Covcath and they beat Beechwood and Beechwood beat St. Henry and St. Henry lost to Covcath earlier. I mean, the whole year was crazy. And to watch what they did and people are going, "Why are you guys talking high school basketball?" Because I'm going to tie it into NKU. Because Sam Vincent just went down to Rupp Arena and went, I'm pretty damn good. And I, I will tell you this. I know that. For, I've seen him. He played against me. I coached freshman basketball. He he played for Highlands as an eighth grade point guard. And we beat them bad. It was like 57-34. Now he was only an eighth grader. And I remember telling their coach, and he's not there any longer. I went, that kid's going to be pretty good. He goes, yeah. He goes, I think they're forcing him up a little bit. But he said, yeah, I think he's going to be pretty good. And so the next year he played, <laughs> he played JV. Um, and didn't play a lot of varsity. I don't even know he played much varsity at all, but he played a little JV and we beat them in JV. And I thought, hey, this kid's pretty, he's getting better. I, I can see it. And by the next year's sophomore, he's starting varsity. And suddenly, if he's not Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky, then people are stupid. I'm just telling you. I mean, the kid is ridiculous. I, I my, my daughter is graduating from, from UK this year um, in dance. And we went down Friday to watch her final dance. And it makes me crazy because it was outdoors. It was cold. It was stupid. And I hate all of that stuff. But neither here nor there. I love her. She's my kid. So I love her. But I'll give her credit. So we went to KS Bar at 8 o'clock. 
And I'm sitting there. We we sit at a table where there was a couple of big screens. And there was a frozen KHSA press conference from the earlier game. And I said, hey, is there a chance you can put the Highlands game on? And the girl said, yes, it's going to come on in a minute. It's frozen because they're not ready yet. It'll unfreeze here in a minute. So we sat there, the three of my wife, myself, and my daughter. And we watched Highlands win their quarterfinal game. And I turned to the, both of them. I go, they're winning the whole thing. It's no, no doubt in my mind because Sam Vincent's they- stupid good. What did they do to Ashland Saturday morning? That's the only one I didn't see. They won. Um, Ashland actually led at one point. They led for about 12 minutes of that game. They won. By Ashland's really finish. good, right? They're really good. Yes. They beat them earlier in the year. I mean, they were three and three at one point this year. The uh, Highlands was, and they were down to Scott at halftime, came back and won. And honestly, the last game they lost after they didn't lose that game. That went to get them to four and three. They went 27, one the rest of the way. And I got to give kudos to my guys because I'm a Beachwood guy, coach at Beachwood. We're the only ones that beat them since. But I'm telling you, I was so happy to watch what they did because I love the way they played. But, Rick, I'm telling you, and you know this, and I've said it for a long time, if, 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 they, if, if there's a free transfer after a freshman year, I hope, I hope he doesn't leave NKU because he's stupid good, Sam Vinson. I mean, it's, it's really exciting. I think the biggest question, too, we had talked about going into this tournament, he had gotten to the rim a lot and made all these plays off the bounce. Yeah, and not, not, a great, shot, not, not a great shooter. Right. shot a lot of threes, period. But in that first round game especially, he was six of four seven of from his, deep. Four of his first four? Yeah, he's pulling up from NBA range on people off the dribble. So, I mean, he put on a show. And I think the other thing that the coaching staff is really excited about is they felt like he was the type of guy that – had some stuff to him and would rise yes. up to the the situation and play big on the big stage. And he absolutely did that this past week. That, and it's funny. That's what I wondered to some degree until I watched him in the ninth region tournament. His team was down 10 to Connor in the third quarter. And it was a good Connor team, not a great Connor team, but they got to the finals. And so you got to be pretty good to get to the finals. Right. And all of a sudden he said, here we go, boys, I'm going to carry you. And he did. And they ended up winning handily because he was that good. I mean, he is 6'5". He's a point guard. He's not going to do what he did at the high school level of blocking shots, rebounds, all that stuff. But he get when he gets his shoulder square with you as strong as he is, he is going to finish. And I'm telling you, if he starts shooting the ball better, which I hope that's the part of his game, he says, I'm going to fix this. I'm telling you, NKU got an utter, absolute, unadulterated steal, in my opinion. I mean, remember Taylor Persons, right, who, who went to Ball State after he left NKU? Yes. And he was a 6'5", thick you know, downhill point guard, not a great shooter. He's better. Sam Vincent's better. Yeah, I thought he's way more athletic. That's for certain. Yes. So, yes. yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, if the off the backboard dunk in a state, oh, which was a awesome. game is like, awesome. I mean, you don't see a lot of stuff like that no. in the Kentucky State tournament. Awesome. So, no, correct. Uh, just, I mean, just awesome. So, um, kudos to Highlands, kudos to them. And honestly, for NKU, Darren Horde, good for you for honestly making sure you got that kid offered at the right point he needed to be offered. Um, it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad for them. It, 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 it's pretty cool. So, all right, here we go. Well, let's get to the serious part of the podcast, <laughs> which, is, which is the UC situation. Um, so Saturday, UC decides to announce that John Brandon's put in, put on paid administrative leave. Um, so let me start there, Chad. What in the world does that mean? Other than he's put been put on paid administrative leave. What does that mean? Well, that means that's it for recruiting. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, they couldn't, they, the thing is they were still recruiting and I think doing a fairly good job of it behind the scenes. Like, wow. The problem was nobody was going to commit until 
there's there's a resolution because sure if we're being quite honest if a kid was going to commit while all this is still going on like i would i would need that kid checked in a mental institution <laughs> right like sure like nobody was going to to say i'm coming to cincinnati until there was a resolution but from my understanding the staff was making moves on some guys and at, at least sorry hiccups have hit at least put themselves in a position to if if they were retained to come out of this swinging at least um now i i first heard tuesday they were trying to put him on administrative leave and apparently there was something in his contract that uh created some inability to do that i i assume somehow that was uh worked out in whatever way shape or form because finally on saturday and it might have even happened on friday but finally on saturday he gets put on administrative leave yeah i, I was um, i was told actually on friday it actually happened but it doesn't matter it's neither here right. or there but yeah so the thing for me, Skinny, I, I get a call about an hour before the Pat Forty uh, report comes out yep. that he had hired Tom Mars. And somebody says to me, do you know why Tom Mars would be emailing me? And red flags, sirens, air horns, uh, you name it. Just as soon as that name came out of the guy's mouth, it was like, oh boy, like, here we go. If this wasn't messy already, it's about to get real, real ugly. And he Let says, me, Tom, and Tom Moore says he has a document, right? That yeah. would exonerate John. Is that correct? That That's what he says. Yes. Now that could be posturing. That's correct. He, I know. he says he has basically correct. an internal document that yes. was that was spread at UC that I guess John's not supposed to have. You right. want to know the, the, the basis of Tom Mars? So Tom Mars jumps into a uh, a Twitter thread between UC fans last night and says this is happens this is what happens when a university conducts a one-sided investigation as a means to an end and places a head coach on administrative leave without asking him or his counsel a single question. That's him showing up in just a thread of UC fans talking. As himself, right? As himself. Oh, okay. yeah, Tom Mars law. Okay. Yeah, so okay. So, yeah. Somebody so this is Tom Mars, skinny. Somebody chimed in, bro, you're simply the worst that humankind has to offer. There's no other way to put it. Ambulance chaser at its finest. Mm. Tom Mars responds, old misgrad, should have known. P.S. Wasn't my fault Hugh Freeze was calling hookers. Hotty toddy. Wow. That's Tom wow. Mars. Wow. <laughs> this is about to be a circus. Wow. All right, so let, 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 let's get to some of the, the I guess, the bottom line facts. And, Rick, please chime in when you can. And you well, can, can I piggyback off yes. the Tom Mars thing real yeah, quick? Is yes, this, yes. Because we've already seen this has gone from a thing that was big locally, but I don't think on the national radar a whole right, lot, just right. because we haven't heard it a lot throughout the NCAA tournament. It hasn't really been on ESPN's radar from what I've seen. And all of a sudden, Tom Mars gets involved, and now we're seeing it. Like, ESPN's dropped a couple stories, I think, since this came that, out. And now it seems like it is because – Tom Mars talks to everybody. Right. And so that is that kind of the idea here now for from the brand side is like, well, we've got to we've got to start pushing this narrative on our side a little bit here, too, and make this a national story. So UC does feel more pressure to get this thing moving. Maybe. I mean, you know, Tom Mars was involved in the, the David Beatty or uh, the, I can't remember the head coach of Kansas. Yes. So Kansas, Kansas fires their head coach and then retroactively tries to find cause to fire him. 
the football coach. The football coach, yeah. right? As yeah. right, right yeah, when they hire because people are listening to this going, this is a basketball podcast. Bill yeah. Self is the Kansas basketball no. coach. Yes, and got a lifetime contract that said you can't fire me for right. NCAA violations. By the way, um, <laughs> so Tom Mars steps in to that situation, and he, the the coach was owed three million dollars, and they went to court, and Tom Mars got a settlement for two point five five million dollars. Pretty damn close to three million. So I had, I've, I've, had the ballpark. People, I've had people on my board saying like, you know, when I stepped in on giving an opinion on Tom Mars, Tom Mars doesn't take a case that he that he doesn't think he can win. Right. Right. And they were like, well, he settles. I'm like uh, getting two point five out of three is not settling. It, it, <laughs> it is it, winning. It, it, it is winning. Here's the thing. If John gets 4.2 out of 5.2 or whatever you want to, whatever fractional value. Then Tom Mars won. Correct. And UC lost badly because they can't pay. They couldn't pay the 4.75 we thought. They can't pay the 5.2. I'm not sure they can pay the 2.3 next year, whatever the hell it's going to be. Right? Correct. Correct. So the minute that Tom Mars's name pops up as John Brandon's attorney, this thing went from seven to 12 and a half because <laughs> it is going to play out in the media. It is going to be public. Everybody is going to be talking about it in some way, shape or form. And Tom Mars is going to make sure of that. So that is one thing I can guarantee you. John Cunningham was not counting on. I can only imagine the looks on the faces of people at the university of Cincinnati when they were informed that Tom Mars was taking over counsel for John Brandon. All right, let, let's start from the start of this. All right. Let's start from six guys transferring. Yeah. And and the look of six guys transferring at the time. At the beginning. Correct. Hear me out. Yeah. The, the look of that initially. Who freaked out in your opinion and why, Chad? Here's the thing. John Cunningham freaked out, clearly, but I think that did, some did of the, this did, was... did, did, did the president freak out? Potentially. Hmm. I don't know. As uh, To borrow a line from, from Willie Cunningham, you can't find that guy with the search warrant. Yeah, good point. Neville Pinto. Yes. So who knows? Um, but the AD had clearly been in talks with players extending well before the season ended. Right. A, a couple weeks at least, I think potentially up to a month before the season ending ended. Players were coming to uh, – John Cunningham expressing displeasure with, with John Brandon. So this is something that's been on his desk now, two months. Sure. Yeah. Two and a half months, sure. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever time frame you want to give. I continue to see some people say like the lawyer types or the guys who always want to be condescending and tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, but this is how the process goes. You don't understand. This is what it is when you're trying to get rid. no, this is how it goes when you're trying to railroad someone and yes. you don't have cause or you can't afford to pay yes. them what they're owed. This is Correct. what happens when you make a clown show of a situation and do it this way. Yes, that is the legal process that you eventually get to. But this is not at all a normal situation or a typical way of handling things at any level. And that's where I go back to who freaked out over six guys transfer initially. Well, that's the John other thing. Cunningham. That's been normalized now, so it, that doesn't look the way it did. I mean, it's still, no, right. it's no, still no, not no, the no, same no, having your no, your entire no. freshman class transfer versus some of these other schools. But now, so many schools have four, six, seven guys, right. however many, in the portal that 
UC situation is not the huge deal that it seemed like when it first happened. And that's why I asked that question, Rick, is, is um, you're right. You, you don't want the whole freshman class to go, I'm done with this. But it has become somewhat normalized. I mean, how many guys have left Jay Wright? Three? Am I right? Three guys? Yeah. I, I, a bunch at Tennessee. How many guys have left um, have left Penny Hardaway? Five. It's junk. I'm not asking you guys to give me specific numbers. Trust me, I, I'm just I'm just I'm I'm spitballing. But it's a bunch, and so that's where I wonder if these people who were so naive to understand that when kids can go to the transfer portal, and most of them probably are wrong, but they're kids, right? And they're looking and going, God, this guy ran me to death. This guy practiced me three and a half hours. I'm not doing this anymore. And some of it is, I'll be honest, John might have to change some of his ways. And I think, Chad, I think you'll agree with that. Rick, I think you'll probably agree with that. I'm I'm, I'm a 90-minute practice guy, but I get where a college coach goes, boys, line up and let's go. Hell, the one of the hell, one of the greatest movies I've ever watched, and one of the greatest things I've ever watched is Miracle on Ice, right? Did you guys watch the movie? By chance? No. But the 1980 Olympic hockey team, did you watch it? No? I have not. I'm familiar with what it's about. Okay. Okay. But the thing is, there's a scene in the movie where um, uh, Herb Brooks, who was played by Kurt Russell, puts his guys on the line. He was mad. They got beat in some game, some nondescript game, but he was mad. And he just wanted to prove a point. And he put them on the line. And they had to skate to a spot, skate to a spot, skate to a spot, skate to a spot, skate to a spot. And finally he goes, the, the kids are exhausted. He goes again. And in my mind, I'm watching this going, Oh my gosh, I get where this is at. This is a movie. It is what it is, but there's part there's truth to this. And it kept, he, it, and all you kept seeing is these kids would come back to the line and they're, they're foaming at the mouth and they're puking. And he'd go again. And I went, Oh my gosh, not again. I'm a coach. I'm a, I'm an again guy, but I'm not an again guy at this point. And so I get that there's some tough practices and they're probably not fair and they're maybe to some degree inhumane, but at that stage of the game, either at that point, go, you're fired, you're done or go, you know what? You got to go fix yourself, go fix it. Stop doing some of these things and we'll make it work. And so it seems like this is such a witch hunt that it's absurd at the stage we're at. It is. I mean, the stuff that came out in Justin Williams article yesterday was pretty damning. Like in a, in a way, but in a way, I'm like, I, Skinny, have I, you ever heard of a medical staff having to step in and stop a practice? If that's true. I, I don't know. Did hugs have that happen? Yeah. Here's, that's my only thing is it's like, well, I'm not saying I support it. I'm not saying it's the best way to go about. Things. I'm with you. I, I don't See, support it. All Huggins players that this is what you're complaining about. Yeah, and I, I, I have a feeling here's, you're going to ha- have a hard I, time getting sympathy. Here's where I would say I think those things are different. Now, John's practices were closed, so I can't speak on it fully. Right. But I know John was big on work, like building cardio in practice, which involved a lot of running. Generally, a three-hour practice that's just basketball, while it might be physical, like there's enough standing around, getting right. instruction. Right. That's, yeah, right. That's fair. That, it's, right. that, it's, right. that it doesn't. Right. crush you right if you mix two hours of basketball with an hour of sprints your body's about ready to break no question no doubt and 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 i'm i'm wondering because i know john is it, one of his big things has always been his teams being you know in superior physical condition to out out endurance their opponent 
that's one of his ways to to achieve that. And I think, again, I think this goes back to not having a veteran voice, a veteran leader in that room to say, we'll, we'll get to the other side of this. Like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, he's being an asshole. But, you know, right. we have a way, you know, we've done it. We've been here. We've experienced it. Like, it's going to be all right. Well, Instead, you, also, you have a bunch of you have a bunch of freshmen going, look, this. Yes. I'm not doing it. Well, and the other thing that I took away from that, too, and maybe specifically the comments about that we felt comfortable with some of the assistance or something to that effect, but we didn't want to take it to them because we were afraid they would tell John. Like, that would be one of my big concerns is clearly I think John didn't have the right staff in place. Like, clearly some of these assistants didn't understand their role in all this because someone needs to be the go-between, to have the players back that's communicating with them after the practice and then maybe going back to the head coach and be like, look, we're losing some of these guys like they're this isn't working. We've got to We've got to call it off a little bit or something to that effect. And maybe that all happened. We don't know. But based on the story from Justin Williams that came out, that was one thing I took away is it seems like there's definitely a major disconnect of where the assistants should be picking up some of the slack here. All right. They, they, and here was the other thing in the article that was a, a big concern to me was was that I guess it got back to John that somebody had gone to the AD. Right. And, and interrogating a, 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 and who more, was it? He wanted to know. Yes. Yeah. That you can't, you can't like, you just have to take it for what it is and work your way through it. You cannot try to, to pit everybody against each other. And, and, you know, it's like forcing a reporter to out his source. Like, sorry, man. Like <laughs> if, if we wanted you to know, we came and told you like a coach can't do that. It's a bad look to me. All right. But let's go to the crux of the whole thing, which is, is any of this for cause? And if it's not for cause, where do they go? Because they're not going to they're not going to pay him. So if it's not for cause, where are we? I mean, they're they're. <laughs> we joked around before this podcast started about the sound of poker chips. Cincinnati's all in on for cause. Yes. They are pot committed, my friend. But, but if it's not, where do we go, bruh? Then, then they, I mean, they're firing him for cause at some point. Yeah. At some point, they are. And then he Whether sues. Whether it holds up in so court. The, yes. And right. then he sues. So, and he sues. Mars makes a spectacle of everything. Right. And then and he we'll, makes more, more than what you could have done it for the buyout, which you can't pay the buyout. So where are they? At the, I mean, at that stage, they're a mess. Then they're broke. They're broke. Yes. <laughs> is, that they want, is that where they want to go chad I, I don't think so here's the other here's the other dangerous part of all of this skinny i think john cunningham fully believes that if he fires john brannon he's getting the players back that are in the transfer portal mm. well one's well, already what? one's already gone two well two one and a half who's the other one I, i'm missing that one I know Matt, I think the one Matson's going Matt, to Utah. Yeah, I believe Harvey has has picked his destination. Okay, he just okay. hasn't announced right. it yet. A, there's two. Okay. okay, fair enough. And but here's Tardy, the thing, and Tart Easton's gonna be a catch for somebody. So yeah, so yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. But here's the thing, Skinny. Why in the hell would these kids continue to wait? Because John Cunningham asked them nicely and right. to keep waiting. Guess right. what? Spots are filling. Programs are going out and getting players. Right. They are not going. You think Richard Patino is who's been recruiting Mason Madsen to New Mexico 
You think he's just sitting there with like an open invitation to Mason Manson that take your time, bro. No worry. Dude, Dude, just just wait as long as you possibly need to wait. I got a thousand guys in the portal, buddy. You're in or you're out. Are you in or you're out? And, And look, if these three freshmen all of a sudden are no longer sitting in the transfer portal because they've committed somewhere else. The errors by John Cunningham become egregious. No question. And that's right. Well, also, can we talk about the idea of now you have these players sending out all these shots against John, the program, whatever, as anonymous sources for articles. And then you have David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport defending him and saying, hey, I can't speak for anybody else, but I love the coach. This is all good. Now those guys are going to come back together and the locker room is going to be perfect. Like John Cunningham is delusional. This whole thing, the way he expected this to play out, I think, and the way he is now handling this of like, he's now recruiting guys in the transfer portal for the next basketball coach. Get out of here. Like none of that is going to work. I'm not saying that you don't have to move on from John Brandon. You need to make that decision on your own, but the way he's gone about all of this and the way he is acting, he is delusional. The clown show. doesn't know what he's doing. I was, I was, I was, uh, people were very unhappy that I said two weeks ago that he was taking a blowtorch to the program or it was, it was last Friday when he put out the first statement that said yes, they were, yeah. lo- they were looking yes. into ac- accusations, which was a week after they had already been doing it. But yeah, okay. two weeks, two yeah, weeks okay. after two weeks. Okay, yeah. we're, we're okay, about good. to go into week four tomorrow starts week four of the, of, uh, since the Cincinnati season ended. And he had already been working on this. Correct. Right. And, but here, here's kind of the thing that's been running around in my brain, guys. It is your responsibility as the athletic director to sit down and say, okay, what are my options? And if my option that I decide is this, we're going to get them for cause, but it's going to take a long time. Don't you have to weigh that into your decision-making process? Yes. That we're yes. looking skinny. We're looking right now. I'm going to be the one cussing tonight. I'm sorry. We're be, looking be, right now. Be, be at careful. A situation be, care, be, care, be careful. Where Cincinnati doesn't. I, I, I'm, I've calmed. I've. I know. You, Cincinnati you might not have a coach until like May. Right. And then you're you're done done on the bright side. If like an Adam Kunkel type pops in July now, they should have spots still available. Oh, they should, they should Vincent. have, they should Hello, have Sam, spots for like six of those guys. Hello, yep. Sam Vincent. Did, did Sam Vincent signs letter of intent yet. Yes. Yeah. What are you doing okay. right now? Skinny? You zip it up. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that, Rick, but I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, Oh my goodness. All right. So here's the other thing I'm going to ask you. And this is the craziest part to this. And, and you can absolutely override me on this, Chad, and please do if I'm wrong. But if I'm Luke Fickle, and he's got no violation issues, but if I'm Luke Fickle, and I'm looking at what he's doing to his basketball coach, John Cunningham, and whatever issue comes up in my program, there's always issues, right? There, there are. There's parents. There's problems. There's an occasional slap on the wrist violation for whatever reason. At that point, do you look and go, you're not going to have my back? Really? Well, you know what? Then I don't give a damn what else. Uh, you know what? Hey, Minnesota just came open again for the 67th time. And it's a terrible job, but I'm going to make more money than making it. You see, it's a terrible job, but I'm going to take it because I'm not dealing with you. And we, no. can, we can all agree. Oh, but hear me out. We can all agree that Luke Fickle, I mean, Luke Fickle has done some things that you see. At what point does he go? This is stupid. I'm not going to deal with this AD. See you later, buddy. 
the Minnesota, Minnesota thing is absurd because he's I, a, look. It, it was an example, dude. I'm just giving you some no, kind of. But no, I'm saying any example like that is absurd because he's not one. Luke Fickle's not the decision maker in the Fickle household. I understand that. And she loves, <laughs> she loves Cincinnati. But so, if he goes, honey, this guy's a clown. And the second something bad happens to me, he's going to screw us. I'm out. Here, here's what I'll say. I, I'm certain Luke Fickle is more than aware of what's happening. I'm sure he is. Like, he, he's a smart man. He's, he's, he's a football guy to the core. There is no chance he likes what he has seen from the way the athletic no department question, handled right. the basketball And, and I guess that, that's what I'm there's also, can, no Here's question. also yeah. what I would say. If it came down to a battle of Luke Fickle and, and John Cunningham, the president and the board would set John Cunningham into the sun before they would, before they would turn their back on Luke Fickle. Everybody at the University of Cincinnati is well aware right now the bell cow is Luke Fickle. No question. John Cunningham tries to step in on that. No chance. Mm. But you know Luke Fickle's watching. No you know mental notes are being taken. No now, doubt. No now doubt. Now, what does it change? Like, you know, say Mel Tucker goes one in 11. And Michigan State just says, look, this isn't working. He could because he's terrible and they're bad yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. So so Michigan State comes around again. Yes. Or James Franklin ends up in the NFL and Penn State comes calling. Or he's a clown I think show because he's a clown show and they fire him. Yeah. So that, yes. I, I, I think this opens back up a door that was probably mostly closed, right? right. Like we were looking at Luke Fickle getting to a point where Ohio State, Notre Dame, you know, if a blue blood comes calling, you don't hang up that phone. But watching this situation unfold and seeing what this athletic department is doing to their basketball coach, that's not something Luke Fickle is going to just like casually ignore. It, um, yeah, oh, well, doesn't, doesn't affect me. Don't care. I, I don't think that's him. Like we talk about him being the most normal human in the, in the coaching profession. Normal humans look at their situation and work at work and keep an eye on things. And this can't be, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it can't be good. It's not good. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not good at all. And I also think if you think long-term about Cincinnati's upside, if you're Luke fickle and it's like, man, we were pretty damn close to a, to a playoff this year. We've got a good chance again next year. And, Maybe we were ascending towards like a, a power five conference at some point down the road if things shift again. And then this is going on. And it's like, you think Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas and the presidents there are looking at it like, man, you know what we need to do is add Cincinnati as soon as we can. <laughs> it's not it's not a great spot on your resume. There's no question about that. Yeah. You're trying to to run as a tidy. And upfront, like front facing operation as you can, given Cincinnati's current situation, you, you, you feel like you've positioned yourself as the best of the rest, right? Something like this tarnishes that. And there's no other way around it. No other way around it. 
Yeah, and to be clear, this isn't me taking gratuitous shots at UC. I don't think that they have no, no shot. No, I'm agreeing like with you. I know, and I just but I know I'm when people hear me you. say those types of things, they think I'm being over the top no. about it. But I'm just saying right now in the moment, if people are looking at it, there's no way they're thinking favorably about UC from that perspective. Now, it's not the end of the world. Doesn't mean that they can't turn this around and have both programs flourishing in the next four years or something, and they'll be in a right. great spot. But right. it just it, for right now, the way things are, it's a terrible look for what John Cunningham's job was to do when he took over. All right, let me wrap it up with this. I'll start with you, Rick. Is John Brandon the head coach next year of UC's basketball team? And if so, why? And if not, why? No, there's no chance. I mean, just that they've gone the nuclear route. There's no coming back from this for either side at this point. And John clearly knows that as well after Mm -hmm. hiring the attorney, I think. That's that's pretty clear. I I have one more question for you guys, though, that I'm more curious about. If UC made the tournament this year as a 9, 10 seed, something whatever. like yes, that, whatever, right, right. lost the first round game, right, and everything else played out the same way. Guys entered the transfer portal. We heard some of the stories. Whatever. What Do you think we're in the same spot? Do you think this still happens? No chance, in my opinion. And chance really? different, oh. obviously, but no chance, in my opinion. I would say no chance because if you made the first round of the NCAA tournament, then you had a week of experience with what was going to happen in the transfer portal. And you would have seen that this thing is going to be out of control. Yes. And it, I mean, it's completely out of control, which is fine, but it is what it is. Yeah. I, but, I'm not like, I'm not de- like, right. No, no, taking, I know you're not, but yeah, I just want people to know. That, yeah. Yeah. It, it's what it is. So, and, so I and, think it would have allowed for some perspective that, you know what, this is happening in a lot of places around the country. And, you know, it, it's not just something that was an outlier for us, but because of the way it went down, UC was the first school that had major defections. And, it, it you know, everybody panicked. Here we are. Well, and that's, that's what I just wonder, because if you look at it from that perspective, then it kind of feels a lot like, okay, so you freaked out about the transfers and the performance during the season wasn't quite as good as you would have liked. So that's why you're looking to fire him. And that's going to be the problem with this whole firing for cause thing is I think you're right. If things have played out a week later and they had made the tournament, so it looked a little bit better in terms of overall performance. I don't think we're in this spot. Agreed. I agree. Um, I think you probably still have an AD and a head coach that don't like each other. For sure. Oh, it's still a disaster. And that's fine. But but we didn't get to the nuclear option. Correct. Right. And which to the point of firing him for cause, I think that kind of, looks good on John's side more than it does. Cun- well, I guess they're both John good on Brandon's side more so than yes. it does Cunningham's side. Uh, Chad, For now. Chad, do you think um, there's any salvaging of this? Is there? No. Cause I, I, you and I talked yesterday. I said, you got, in my opinion, you got three options at this point in the game. You fire him for cause. If you can't find cause and you're stupid um, and, and you mess this up, you pay him off, which I don't think is going to happen or you bring him back. And I'm in the stage of if you can't find calls and you can't pay him off, we're at the bring him back phase. They're not bringing him back. I understand that. I think no, you and I had a conversation about this. I almost convinced you. I thought yesterday, but no. um, I think you're dead right. I'm just going to say I, I have to put it out there because those are the three options in my opinion. Yes. Call. I mean, realistically, off, yes, but I think we are past. 
And like Rick said, with John hiring Tom Mars, oh, <laughs> with as ugly as Tom Mars is going to make things because that's what he does. Nah, I, I don't think there's any way. Okay. So he so, comes back. And I think John Brandon understood that when he hired Tom Mars. Right. I think that's why so, you make that move. Be, prior to that, right. you're still fulfilling the duties of the job and everything, seeing what is going to play out. So you're in the best spot. But now at this point, it's clear. Okay, we're settling this thing and I need to lawyer up. So if you don't fire him for cause and you don't pay they're him, firing off, him they're for firing cause. him for cause. The question is, what does the cause do mean? they have cause? Right. right. But hear me, hear me out on this. Give me give me a second. So if you don't fire him for real cause, I should say, and you don't pay him off and you still fire him anyway, and you fire him because what you think is cause and there's no cause, he can cost you multi-millions of dollars oh, yeah. more than what you could have done settling or paying him off to begin with. Well, let's go back Probably. to the Kansas situation. Yeah. Uh, that, they got $2.55 million out of three. And like three years of lawyer cost for Kansas. Right. So Which, what, what, a million dollars a year for say, lawyers? Who knows, I was say, who knows what that was, but it was extravagant, whatever it was, yes. Let's say, let's say low end, half a million dollar a year for lawyers. That's a million and a half dollars on top of the 2.55. Now we're at four, and they owed him three. So you're not wrong in that regard. If, if this is a situation that they can't prove cause eventually in a court of law, because that's where we're going. Right. I don't see any, Rick, are you with me? I don't see any other way this ends than you see fires and for cause. And this goes to court to either settle or burn the, the whole house down. Yeah, that's what will happen. I mean, John will then have to sue them to get the money. And it'll be similar to that yes. situation you're talking about at Kansas. Yes. Now, it. You know, maybe there is because Beatty clearly was they fired him because he wasn't good enough. They said they're firing him without cause. And then they went back and said, actually, we're going to go ahead and find cause because we don't want to pay this guy. So I don't know that yeah. that's a, quite as good of a, a situation that John is but, in, because I feel like they do have some cause in their mind. And, and there's certainly some evidence based on uh, what seems to be player testimonies that right. they they would have some cause. I just can't imagine they're getting off the hook without paying at least half or more of his buyout. But, but, but fellas, where I go back to um, the, the whole witch hunt, if you're a coach in the program, Scott Guggins, the baseball coach, Luke Fickle, the football coach, Doug Barton, the, the golf coach. Um, and none of those guys make the same money other than Luke. I mean, is that what you want your program to be is, Oh yeah, we need to fire him. Cause I'm going to find cause. Is that what you want to go with your program? Is that where your guys who are on your staff, and coach under you really want to be? Is that where you really want to be? No, but I think that's why we're all at the point of John Cunningham is making himself an ass. on kind of rocky an ass. footing as well going forward. Yes. I, I think and you've really got to look at his future too with UC. Correct. A complete clown show, for goodness sakes. Oh, my. All right. Uh, any, any, something. any final take for you, Chad? What an awesome NCAA tournament, and I can't wait to watch the championship tomorrow. Oh, More upsets than ever. Uh, we almost had the biggest upset in Final Four history yesterday, only to be topped by a bank. one of the greatest shots shots in, in bas college basketball history. Like, this thing has been awesome. Gonzaga and Baylor have been, you know, been mostly the two. They were, outside they were, of, there was a window, Baylor coming back from their COVID pause. Yes, correct. Where they didn't look like the Baylor we thought they were. But... They have regained that mojo. 
These are, without question, the two best teams. It is so insanely rare that we get the two best teams. It only makes sense that we would get the two best teams in a year where there were more upsets than ever. Right, right. No no question. I mean, it was was funny. I can't wait to see this play out tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they were literally 1-2 for, I believe, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. Obviously, Gonzaga was number one the whole season. Baylor, I believe, was number two. I want to say for the first 12 to 12 weeks, maybe something, whatever it was. The season started. 12 to 12? Yeah, 12 to 14. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it was, I mean, they were, they were number two for forever, then kind of hit the snag with the COVID, and we get it. And that's where I kind of wrote them off. But yeah, it, it's crazy that these are one, two. How about you, Rick? Anything? No, you guys already said it all. I, you pointed it out. The best part is that the two best teams are playing for the championship after we had all the madness. We got yes. all the excitement and the nonsense, but we still got the two best teams. That was the key. This, this was exactly exactly the tournament we needed after not having a tournament last no year. Question. We are going to no talk question. about this tournament for a long ass time, not just because of last night. No, but last Earl night was Roberts, the signature, just, Oregon signature State. like stamp. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, there's so many storylines to that. And then you wind up with the best two teams, which is even better. And the only what- thing they screwed up. Here's what they screwed up. Bill Walton should have called every Pac-12 game in the whole tournament. The conference is, conference is champions. Did you see they go. The, the Bill Walton reaction video from last night? He was in no. like yeah. the studio. Was, was he, I'm not sure if he knew I, which team was he had won. Peyote? Was he, was he, what was he? Was he I don't drunk? know that he knew which teams he were watching. He was watching sure or was. if he knew which team won. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Does it surprise me? I mean, that you, sounds like a hell of a night. That he was like smiling and clapping the whole time. That's, <laughs> that's a complete Bill Walton. I'm going to leave. I would have paid to be there. I've actually got one final take, and I don't know if you're Ooh. if you're watching this, Chad. It's not a great final take, but I'm watching on Star 64 right now the Ohio State yeah. UC game from 1961. Yep. I've been watching it throughout imagine. the podcast. It's fabulous. Dave Ashbrock, who I know, he produces um, the high school football games on Star 64 that I do. Produces I UC games and 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 Reds games, and I'm a huge fan of his. I, I read initially what he was trying to do tonight. I'm like, eh, it's not going to be very good. It can't be very good. It has been so good. Are you? I'm sorry, are, did, Chad. Did you see it's me? on in the background. Yeah. Okay. I, I've been doing the same thing. It is really, really good. So kudos to Dave Ashbrock because Skinny, can you imagine knowing Rick? Rick is all digital. Rick never had to do a reel to reel or like <laughs> a cart three quarter tape. Like going back to the what Dave Ashbrock, what we know he had to work with, yes, with this footage and to get it to this point to re air it, amazing. Like, I can't even fathom the amount of work. I, I even heard, I was talking to somebody about it um, Tuesday as we were driving up to, to Indy to watch the UCLA game. They were, they were thinking about trying even to get it colorized. Oh wow. wow! But that would have been like another like yeah that that would have been thousand dollars yeah that would have been hard. But man, like insane work in production to to make that happen. Be- because from, from what I understand, he only had twenty the, minutes of actual footage, and I swear to yeah. God, I'm, I'm now watching this. It started at eight oh seven, I believe, was the tip. Um. And- it's now nine eighteen on my clock. Granted, not, you're not not the time for you guys to listen to the podcast, and it still looks like it's real time. 
it's it's incredible. And UC's down three at the moment. I mean, it, I, to his credit, he is such a talented man. And He's I'm insanely so good. Yes, and it's it is so good. Um, and UC fans, you know the outcome, so it's even better for you. But it's still awesome. It was fa- it's fabulous. So and I, I will I, say this: there's a lot of right hand dominant players back in the day, boys. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Dr- Going, going, going left was not prominent in that that era. No, and I saw I think Beckers might have averaged a triple double back in this era. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I will tell you this. I saw one hand push shot from Tony Yates was like, whoa, that's a terrible looking shot. And he switched it from about 25 feet. I thought, Tony, you were way, you were way behind your time. That would have been in three back in the day, but your shot yeah. looks like garbage. But okay. a man, a man way behind his time. Yes, correct. <laughs> correct. It is, this is a great honestly, example it, of why comparing players to different eras is correct. Impossible is and impossible. stupid. Im- impossible. And by the way, they're showing a Jerry Lucas thing at the moment. Um, in the in the regional semifinal that year, Ohio State beat Kentucky, and Jerry Lucas went for thirty three points. And 30 rebounds. Think about that for a minute. 33 and 30. That's pretty darn good. Just in case anybody's wondering. So anyway, sounds good. That sounds was my good. final. I, I realize it's real time and I'm stupid for doing it, but I, I'm just so fascinated by this. It's so well done. And um, Dave did a great job with this. Hey, you were alive when that game happened, right? Um, no, I was not jackass. <laughs> I wasn't even a glint. Well, I was a glint in my mom and dad's eye. I was close. I was. I was. It's funny you were you almost alive. Congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Skinner. It, it, it's funny you say that. I'm. I was. I'm damn close to that. So, uh, not I, quite there I, yet. But yes, they were maybe trying to have me at that point. So there's I, that. I have to harken back to our, our many moons ago. Whenever you had mentioned your father, and I would just play the clip. Yes, Cuban B. Cuban B. Cuban B. He's a he's a Lloyd Grant as as you may know, Chance. So really I know. Lloyd. So there's that, boys. I enjoyed it tonight uh, so much as always. We'll be back for one more week. Um, Maybe. Who uh, knows how long this UC thing goes? We might have an emergency pod in like I would say we may have a pod on Tuesday on when t- UC no. finally starts looking for a new coach. Yeah, yeah, we may be on the pod on Tuesday for all we know. So anyway, so stay <laughs> tuned for that. We'll figure out where it goes, but uh, we felt we needed to do it tonight, and I enjoyed it as always. Guys, uh, enjoy tomorrow night. Uh, thanks so much, and, and have a great week. For Chad Brender, BearcatJournal.com, uh, Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12, from the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition.